0: So I think this was 2012. It was my first time going to CES with TheVerge.com to report on all of the electronics there, and one of the vendors they had a booth where they were selling a iPod speaker, uh, or you could plug your phone into it, and it was called the. I nuke boom. The whole segment
1: moved just for Beringer's I
0: This is the biggest iPod dock that mankind has ever seen. This thing was huge. It was probably about four and a half to five feet tall by about 10 feet wide by about four feet deep. It was just a massive box. And the only way you could play any sound on this gigantic thing was to literally plug a iPod on top of it.
1: Wait, 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 wait. This isn't... It's not a bomb.
0: No. It's just a big-ass speaker, and they were... Called iNuke Boom. Called the iNuke Boom, and they Uh were, made by Behringer, they were with completely straight faces trying to sell this thing as though it were a thing that regular people could buy. Um, And... It was obvious that it, what it was there for was to, you know, draw people into the booth. So I wrote this, uh, this post that compared it to this very heady thing about uh, called Learning from Las Vegas about architecture and how uh, the buildings represent the things themselves instead of being decorated sheds where uh, the stuff inside, they need signs to tell you what's inside. Um, and I was making fun of it because, you know, it was a ridiculous object. But they loved the post so much... They loved the fact that I was making fun of it so much that they took this gigantic monster speaker, dragged it out into the parking lot next to where we worked, in our little double-wide trailer, and threw a dance party for us.
1: What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas.
0: They were so happy that we made fun of them. That is the essence of CES. CES.
1: We're just going to let the story in there. There's nothing else I can do with that. (laughs) Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast on TheVerge.com. I'm your humble host, Christopher Thomas-Plant, and today I'm joined by my pal, my colleague, executive editor of TheVerge.com, Dieter Bone. How are you doing?
0: I am doing excellent. How are you?
1: I'm doing well because when this episode is airing, I am not at CES, but you are.
0: Yes, I am arriving uh, on January 1st, about three days before it begins uh, in 2016, and uh, staying all the way through the 10th. Oh, so what, let, let's just start where we always start, at the top. What is CES. CES stands for Consumer Electronics Show, Mm. and it is the largest convention, you might say it's a show, about, you guessed it, consumer electronics. Uh, It's in Las Vegas uh, since the 90s. It's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 170,000 people showing up in a bunch of convention halls to look at gadgets. And when, when did this all start? What was the first one? What was that like? So CES started in New York in the 60s. So this will be the, the 49th one in 2016. So I guess that makes it 1967. And it started actually not that far off from what its purpose is now. It was to show off new kinds of electronics and gadgets to people that could potentially want to show them in their stores to sell them. And that, I mean, we'll get into this later, but that is the true purpose of CES. It's there for uh, you know consumers and everybody else to go and look at all the shiny lights and big TVs, but what it's really there for is for people from Best Buy and Amazon and everybody else to go and decide what they wanna sell and for you know all the Chinese parts manufacturers to prove to everybody else that they can make the parts that they need to sell even more gadgets.
1: Wait, so, okay. <laughs> We're going to go back in time. Okay. 1967, right? 1967. Uh, Consumer Electronics. Yes. This is... uh, Nobody has a computer in their home. Maybe like two people do, I guess. Uh, Very confusing people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is this like, I don't know, like an aisle of toasters?
0: And then like... Well, like you've a... got you've got televisions, right? You've okay. got tape recorders, yeah. radios, radios. Of course, it originally, I believe, grew out of a fo- no, a music show. It originally grew out of a, an audio music show. Sure. But we, um, you know, we've got like a photo essay of like a bunch of historical photos from CES over the years, and you know, when you look at the the stuff that's piled up, it's record players and TVs and radios and just hellaciously bad shag carpeting. And like, you know, it's it's you remember the vision of the future from like the early 60s with flying cars and everything was very mod and uh, shiny and silver like chrome chromed. But mix that beautiful vision of the future with like dumpy uh, retail shelving and bad shag carpeting and just, you know, the worst of like oh. early 70s decorations Was there pegboard? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I love
1: yeah. pegboard. When I see pegboard, I am back at electronics boutique. It is 1992, <laughs> and I am in heaven. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I did a little research. I okay. don't want to brag because no, no. I don't. I, most of the time, I just don't do anything. I show up and I ask some questions. But I did a little bit of work this time, and I found out that CES for a time happened twice a year. That it was happening in, in Las Vegas. In Chicago. And what's interesting about this to me is Las Vegas is a dumpster. Um, <laughs> it is without question one of the worst places I yeah. have had to regularly visit. Yeah. Um, Chicago, not so bad. No, not, uh, not bad at all. Pretty okay. Uh, also, Las Vegas, uh, so yes, when, uh, at least when I've had to uh, attend or pay attention, uh, right after New Year's, maybe the worst time to put anything uh, in terms of just being a demoralizing mess. Yeah. Chicago, nice and in the summer. Yeah, great time to visit. How, how did there come to be only one, and how did the seemingly awful one win out? So,
0: the problem with uh, any consumer electronics show is they need to show off the stuff in time to actually sell it at some later date. Mm-hmm. And the the cycle of having one, you know, in Las Vegas at one time, one in Chicago at another time. You got to pick which one it is, and it also just split the attention up. And CS had tried a bunch of stuff. So they had the, you know, you, they started in New York. They tried some like shows in like Philadelphia. They tried like a, a tour around different cities in America. And then they had this, you know, one in Chicago and one in Las Vegas. And, you know, they were fine. They were successful, but they didn't stick as hard. When they said, you know what? We're just going to do one show in Las Vegas. Uh, let's see how it goes. Their attendance just shot up. And if you've got 170,000 people going to a single show... I hate Las Vegas, but what Las Vegas has is a ton of really cheap space filled with a ton of relatively cheap hotel rooms. So Chicago would would convulse with this. And I think Las Vegas just kind of shrugs and says, oh, yeah, the geeks are here this week. And for a time, it was at the exact same time as the um, there was an, uh, a porn show. There was an uh, adult uh Show where they they sold porn videos to each other, and like the, the adult industry, ma- big adult industry convention was there, uh, and they used to coincide with each other. Pure which,
1: coincidence, I'm sure.
0: Oh God! I mean, I never went into the. I think they were called the AVNs. That that was the award show. Uh, but just like walking around the show floor and looking at you know sweaty old guys mm. uh, uh. with uh, really bad suits, just like so excited that later on they're gonna they're gonna go like. Look at another convention filled with cheap, useless crap. Uh, but that there'll be naked ladies there. It just—it was terrible. So uh, now there, now there are different times. This is a very different complaint. <laughs> but can I
1: can I just tell you my big beef with the timing of CS? Other than like, as a thing that you do for work, mm-hmm. like knowing like Christmas is here and you should be chilling out, and what you're really thinking is like it's coming. It it awaits. Yeah. Uh, but the bigger thing uh, as a consumer is, hey, everybody just opened these awesome new gifts. You got like a new TV. You are so pumped you are, You have maybe just installed it on your wall. It took like a week or two because you know the people that you hired to do it they 're busy doing this for all these other people. Mm-hmm. It's on the wall. You, you turn on the dot your favorite website mm-hmm. uh, and what do you see? A better version? Yeah. Of that thing, yeah. and not not, not just, uh, and not like humbly better. Like something being sold is magnitudes better.
0: Well, uh, and
1: it's not. Well, th- I'm not saying it actually is that. Right, but I mean, th- the company these people, wants you to think it is. Yeah, they want you to yeah. think that you need
0: this one. So, uh, I, what an awful feeling! I will make you feel better about that feeling right now, okay. which is the thing about CES that everybody needs to know is that virtually nothing. Except in very rare cases, virtually nothing that happens at CES works in the year that follows it. Everything that ends up being truly influential, truly a big deal at CES, it takes a few years for it to kick in. There's only been a handful of products or events that have been announced at CES that turned out to be a big deal that year. So you end up talking a lot about, like, I don't know, like... TVs, right? The uh, CES is a big TV show and they tried to make 3D happen and it didn't. And so now they're trying to make high contrast uh, stuff happen this year. And, you know, there'll be a few that come out, but they're not going to hit mass consumer adoption for a few years. Uh, The same thing happened with VR, actually. Uh, We saw Oculus Rift... Three years ago, I believe, at CES, it was literally held together with duct tape. And I mean literally as the actual meaning of literally. It was held together with duct tape. And it blew our minds, and we're totally amazed by it. And we still haven't seen that thing actually released in a consumer product that most people can buy. That's not coming till next year. So that's like a four-year turnaround for some of this stuff. Um, you know, I could go on. Like, uh, the uh, the CD player the compact disc player was introduced at CES in 1981. And I I can't believe that, you know, compact discs hit widespread adoption until, you know, much later, like mid-late 80s. So you shouldn't feel bad that there's newer, cooler stuff appearing at CES. And ultimately, you shouldn't just blow it all off as hype and smoke and mirrors because there actually are things there that you can see that turn into really important technology trends later on.
1: I think that's what I was most surprised last time, last year, being my first CES. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it will be my last? Uh, but the things that I was really interested in were those things that you were you were talking about uh, Chinese manufacturers, yeah, uh, trying to show that they can what they can create. Like it's not really a product almost uh, for in the consumer sense, uh, but it's like hey, this is a thing. Uh, and I bet somebody could do something with it. And and last year, I remember seeing a lot of transparent televisions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whether they be in black and white or these kind of like warp around screens uh, that would be transparent. Uh, and they were amazing. I have no I can only imagine how much they cost. Um, but that felt I guess that was more enticing to me because one, it didn't have that marketing push because there's no hope of us normal humans like having that in our life for a long time right uh but also it it like what i always wanted ces to be was epcot right like oh this is the world of tomorrow and 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 now i get to see it and i feel like a lot of what I, i would say the majority of what i saw on the floor and what i see when it's covered is more like here are things that you'll eventually buy
0: yeah. And the the other problem is that CES exists for the companies that go there. Uh, and so those companies, they also want to create their own Epcot world of tomorrow. And so, you know, Sony wants to do it and Samsung wants to do it and Toshiba and LG. And so they all have like slightly similar, well, actually very similar, but slightly, you know, competing visions of what that thing is. So when I think of when I think of CES, here's what I think of. Just stick with me on this. Uh, I think of a pretty bad Marvel movie, (laughs) Uh, because when you go to see, I don't know, Iron Man 3 or uh, Avengers 2, like Avengers, CES is the Avengers 2 of shows, because you go there and you're like, huh, it's fine. It's good. There's some really cool moments. And hidden in here is something really important that's going to matter later. All these companies are building their, you know, Marvel has a cinematic universe where everything ties together. And, you know, eventually in 10 years, like, it'll all have be one coherent story. Samsung wants to create its gadget universe where everything ties together and it'll all be amazing. And But, like, the truth is that's not going to happen unless they can do a whole bunch of stuff between now and the next three years. And they have to keep on doing it and doing it. So, you know, I, I've... The, the goal is to, like, not get burned out by all the stuff and still be excited by some of the stuff, except that some of it is iterative and small. But, like, experience the weirdness. Like, that's the thing I love more than anything else at CES. Like, it's really easy to, like, turn your nose up at, you know, Sony re-released the Walkman last year, which nobody was asking for, uh, and it cost way too much money. Um, but the, the sheer weirdness and spectacle of Sony having a Walkman and a TV that was as thin as the little knob on the bottom of a stick of chapstick and, you know, crazy speakers on one side of it and, you know, just drones floating around the conference hall illegally because they're not supposed to be doing that. You you put all, all that together and you don't get, like, Epcot World of Tomorrow. You get, I don't know, like crazy i don't know idiocracy or something you get something surreal that does reflect a certain kind of culture and it's directed at you know the consumers out there reading our website it's directed at me as a reporter but more than anything else again it's directed at the people that are actually making the decisions about what they're going to build in the next five years
1: okay you have been going to ces for how many years this will be my 10th year attending ces so in, in a way you could say you've been through two full cycles almost of, yeah. of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how how have things changed uh, since you know
0: your first CES in this one? So the the biggest change is that you know in the uh, mid two thousands till uh, I think two years ago. Uh, Microsoft always tried to make a big deal out of CES. And the trend for a lot of companies has been to like not make their biggest announcements at CES because they'd get lost in the noise and to move them out. And so Microsoft pulled out of CES, but You know, it was always a tradition where you'd go to CES and then Bill Gates would get on stage and there would be uh, a fake living room and a fake kitchen. And he would be like, this is the home of tomorrow. You will have touchscreens on your fridge and you will have a hologram reading the recipe to you and all the stuff that never happened. But it set that sort of sense of like, we are trying to build really crazy stuff. And like, you should be excited for the opportunities that are like coming your way. Uh, but you know, Microsoft pulled out, and so now uh, CS has been going through this like rotating list of companies to help try and redefine that vision and have some other company be the one that sets the future. Of course, the one company that does kind of set the future more than anybody else is Apple, and Apple just straight up does not go. Uh, in fact. Often the biggest story at CES is a rumor or something from Apple when everybody is not at CES. They, they, they sort of counter-program it or, you know, leaks just happen to go out in the middle of the show that's focused on Samsung and Intel and Qualcomm and all these other companies. And so Apple sort of gets a word in edgewise that they're showing up. Can I, can I tell you,
1: this is just a crackpot theory about right. the, uh, the living room of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is my advice. For, for someone who is, like, watching CES this year and they're being sold the the World of Tomorrow. Uh, imagine that thing, but, like, smaller and kind of bland. Because I like, think about <laughs> Microsoft, right? Yeah. And, and, and bland is, like, a funny word to say because what the reality is isn't that bland. But if you think about, like, okay, talking holograms that are going to tell you, like, how to do your recipes... Uh, there was that like you're going to like all of your entertainment will be on your your coffee table it'll be this giant touch screen thing uh and you'll just like touch it and it'll it'll interact with you in interesting crazy ways and oh no you you have you forgot something at work'll we'll just you know look at your watch and and you can take care of it uh All those things came to be, but it's like, oh, cool, that giant table, now it's just a surface. It's just small. Yeah. It's just a really small version of that. Like, your your watch that lets you, like, do work when you're not at work, it's just your phone. And then the hologram, I mean, HoloLens is very cool. But, like, it's just dumb glasses. Like, it's not like it's not like a hologram that's in your room. It's goofy-ass glasses that make you look like a nerd.
0: Um, yeah, but if you're and the nerd in the comfort and life. privacy of your own home, that's not so bad, right? Oh, and, but the whole joy of HoloLens
1: is going to be walking around in public with it. You know it. Like, oh, can you imagine? I was thinking about this last night. Uh, I was seeing Star Wars. Imagine waiting online for Star Wars and, like, all of the other characters being there. Right. That's... I, that's great. Uh but but at the end of the day it's still like kind of a like it is not the like elaborate holograms walking around alongside you it's like once oh, glasses.
0: Yeah.
1: Um anyway, but, I digress. <laughs> I mean,
0: I I I will say that, you know, I'm not like a a diehard CES is amazing. Everybody must love it kind of guy. Like I recognize that there's a lot to be disheartened by there. But, you know, we saw VR now VR is turning into a real thing. Um, you know, we we would go every year and see like crazy weird hackers building electric skateboards. And now, you know, these two wheeled scooter hoverboard things are everywhere. Um, we uh, we saw last year; it was sort of at CES. They announced it in conjunction with CES. A company is making an electric scooter called Gogoro, where instead of um, recharging it, you there'd just be little battery stations stationed around the city. And when you need to recharge, you just swap batteries. That's a really clever idea. It's a really good idea. And that gets associated with CES. So there's one well, I there's think. There's going to be a future too. where these gadgets happen. Um and yes, it's not going to live up to whatever the hype is at CES, but it is going to be like some cool stuff that could actually change the way that you interact with the world just down the line. Um, and and this is something that we talked
1: about, I think, last year, uh on VergeCast at CES. But it feels like we're also finally getting out of the every giant company and brilliant mind is working on apps Yeah, uh, to like people are making hardware again. And like now when people talk about the, the world of the future, you can actually like it's real things, Um, which is why I, I'm a little sad that I won't be at CES because it, it does feel like there's a better odds of, yeah, you walking into a room and being surprised by somebody who like with some duct tape and ingenuity – created something that you literally did not think would exist yeah. this year.
0: Well, there's so Kickstarter is a big deal more and more and so the, a lot of those companies that are trying to do crowdfunding will show up at CES to try and you know, juice some attention to uh, to their product. So like Uh, Pebble did their smartwatch a a couple years ago when they had like the, the, the first version that didn't look like total garbage. Um, and now smartwatches are a thing. So there's another thing that like happened at CES, but took a couple years to become reality. Um, there's all, there's all these other Kickstarters there. And then the crazy thing is you'll walk into like the back halls and you will find a note for note copy of an iPhone at some tiny little booth. And you're like, are you trying to sell this? And they're not. What they're doing is they're proving to you that they could make it. And what they want to do is they want all those crazy Kickstarter people to wander over, see that they're capable of making something like the iPhone, and then get together and make something actually new. Whoa. Um, Okay,
1: these people that you're talking about, Uh there's a lot of humans uh, at CES, yeah. that was that was uh, the thing that intimidated me the most. Uh, and on top of that, none of them wanted to talk to me. I, I I was very personable, and they all just they all just head down, kept walking. Uh, how how do you not get lost? Like, say you are this person, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe you're not like the most media savvy uh, human on the world, or maybe even you are. How do you not get lost amongst literally thousands of other people? Who want to be louder and get more attention than you?
0: Uh, you you get lost. That's like okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of the answer. No, the 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 thing that you do is you you you. The reason that a bunch of these people didn't want to talk to you is like you weren't who that they were there to target. Right. So there are only a very few companies that are big enough to like push through all of that noise and get attention like out in the wider world. Everybody else knows that they have to go there because that's where the deals get made and where the people are. But they're there to like micro target those people. So you might think some, I don't know, iPhone case is interesting and want to talk to that person about it. But... They're not there to show you the iPhone case. They're there to show the iPhone case to, you know, some buyer at Target, you know, and uh, get them to, to purchase it. So you go to CES and you got you to gotta know exactly what it is that you want to get out of it before you get it, you know, get there. Um, when I go to CES, what I want to get out of it is finding those stories that are going to become amazing things in two or, two or three years. And I want to get the insane things that happen there, like the iNuke boom, Or, like, a couple of years ago, uh, Qualcomm putting on a phantasmagoric keynote with Big Bird and Desmond Tutu and (laughs) an actress from whatever the Star Trek movie was back then and Maroon 5. Uh, You know, like, there are just weird things that happen there. Like, Like, I'll say this. CES is one of those shows where Gallagher is relevant, it's like a crazy thing, right? Like, do you want to live in a world where Gallagher is re- relevant? No. I don't. But do you want there to be like a place where maybe what Gallagher does or says is like kind of funny and worth paying attention to for a couple of seconds? Maybe. I mean, Kanye West showed up last year. Okay, there we go. Right. I, I was wait. I was waiting for like anything else, and <laughs> I, I I
1: can't believe that you went from Gallagher to Kanye. I'm just that saying that like uh, the
0: juxtaposition of those two people sure. is like the soul of CES. Next okay. to, uh, you know, I don't know Toshiba trying to convince you, still trying to convince you that you want a 3D TV when everybody else uh. knows that you don't.
1: Uh, let's not think about that. Let's think about the, not Gallagher. Let's not think about Gallagher. <laughs> let's, but uh, uh, take me through a couple of your favorite memories or just individual moments uh, of the of the last right. decade of CES.
0: So uh, I mentioned the the Qualcomm scene, uh, keynote, which really is it was so insane and surreal. It led with. Uh, A bunch of uh, people, actors playing millennials, saying ridiculous things about Generation M, which, by the way, stands for mobile because they were born mobile. Um, Just the most off-key, just ridiculous thing ever. It had Big Bird making racist jokes about owls. Um, And it had uh, Desmond Tutu, again. It had Maroon 5, but the live stream didn't have the rights to play Maroon 5, so they... Uh, dubbed Dido in over Maroon 5's live show. Um, all of this. All of, all of this insane spectacle was designed to convince some engineers at Microsoft, Samsung, LG, and a few other places that they should put Qualcomm chips into their phones instead of somebody else's chips. That was it. That was what it was for. That madness an hour and a half of the most insane presentation i've ever seen in my life was to maybe make sure that like somebody who already knows everything about qualcomm didn't forget about them you know a year later when they decide on their next chip um so that's disheartening but there have been genuinely amazing things i mentioned the oculus rift when you that the experience when you first put on like real proper VR not like the Google cardboard stuff uh it's mind blowing and we had our minds blown a full 3 years before anybody knew that such a thing was possible um there was uh this was 5 6 years ago now the the release of the the Palm Pre which I know it ultimately failed but they <laughs> they got on stage and announced a brand new phone <laughs> that had new ways of thinking about the ways that phones should work that were mind-blowing. Um, the way that your notifications work on your phone now, the way that you can switch between apps on your phone, um, the just there's a whole lot of things that they created there and then, or uh, showed off there and then for the first time, and then released, you know, not that much later, uh, that nobody saw coming and was truly impressive. Um, And, you know, I just like walking around the show floor and just seeing craziness. I just like, you know, there's, there's always something that is just bonkers. There's, there's, you know, bad music blaring everywhere and there's millions of people and some of them are using roller bags, which is the most annoying thing on the planet because there's just too many people to have roller bags. And then you turn the corner and there's like one little quiet guy at a booth and he's got I don't know like self morphing sand or he's, he's got like something crazy and you're like how did, what, what what is this why is this not a cultural institution now this gadget that you've created and he's like i don't know i'm just trying to find a supplier you know like it's it's like those moments when you like are in the craziness and then you turn right and run into something that genuinely feels new like that's what ces is for did i tell you about
1: my big moment last
0: year no there was this guy,
1: I mean, it was literally the same scenario. He was, like, uh, kind of near the cafeteria, and I was, like, you know, trying to just talk to random people, as I do. Mm. And he pulls out this, uh, it looks like a small robot, and he's like, oh, you should talk to it. And I, I like, speak to it in normal voice, and it has, it has a very in-depth conversation, and then it starts just talking about, like, me, and uh, it's using my Facebook information to... To know basically things I didn't think a robot would know about me, uh, and doing it in very eloquent English, and then, and, and this is unbelievable, Gallagher comes out and <laughs> smashes it with a hammer, and that was the only copy, in, and now the world will never have it.
0: <laughs> uh, so okay, I'll, I'll I'll end on one other story. You know, you know, steam machines. Have you heard of steam machines? I mean, I know. Yeah, you I, know. I, I, yeah, I've heard of uh, steam they're, machines. They're you know they're PCs that are designed to make. Games on PCs work more like games on consoles, right? Um, uh-huh. Two or three years ago, one of our uh, editors, uh, TC Sodic, uh, came uh, was walking into the bathroom, and Gabe Newell comes out, and TC's like, "Hey, I know you. Do you want to do an interview about what you're working on right now?" And he like shrugged his shoulders and said, "Sure." And we got a big exclusive interview that like detailing all the stuff that Valve was working on, well before they like really started pushing out any sort of PR or announcements about that stuff. Um, and that's like CES; it has all of those big players from all of those companies in one spot. And although it's all all marketing and all show and all iterative updates to TVs that you don't care about, and you, even if you did, you wouldn't be able to buy it for another eighteen months. It is the center of a whole lot of important people just being weird and running into each other. And on top of that, like, our whole staff goes, and we get to ride around on crazy scooters and robotic spiders and fly just, like, weird drones that don't exist anywhere else because they've made it and they're trying to sell it. And maybe they failed, but we got to play around with it for 10 minutes and show it to the world. Like... That's fun. It's fun to just go to a bizarro land for for 10 days. And that's uh, that's why I suggest that you go to TheVerge.com next month, so or this month, or right now, and yeah, experience right now. the bizarro land with us.
1: I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you for getting me really hyped for the thing that I'm not going to and now I'm pretty <laughs> sad about. It. No, it's okay. You're no very welcome. Deal. Uh, thank you for listening we're here every Tuesday uh, on the Verge.com on lots of podcast platforms on iTunes where I, I would recommend you leave a review it goes a long way to getting a show out to more people and as always I, I encourage you strongly to share this podcast with uh, family and friends uh, this uh, what a great episode to share with people who are probably uh, they're asking you hey hey uh, you niece or nephew you know a lot about the technology. I was watching Dateline, and they mentioned uh, the the CES. What is the CES? And you can be like, it's called CES, and I have a podcast for you, uh, Dieter, Where can where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, on
0: Twitter, I am Backlon. B A C K L O N. Uh,
1: you can find uh, me on Twitter at Plant uh, the Show at What's Tech, and uh, one more person. I want to thank our producer Andrew Marino, who does a fantastic job. Uh, making this just a lovely thing for you to listen to each week. Other than that, we will see you next time. Bye.